I have tried. I've even gotten some of those trainer chopsticks, and I thought, oh, I'm getting the handle on this, and it just, I don't know what happens. It's just like my, and I, I play musical instruments, right? I play guitar and bass. I get very intimate with these you know, finger movements and everything that was required for playing wow. string instruments. Wow. Don't take that a different direction. Out of context. Don't take that a different direction. Well, okay, this has gone a weird direction. But anyway, I'm stating that to state, to, to suggest that I have the dexterity for everything except chopsticks. I have found a good use for them in poking high high voltage electrical circuits, though. So, so let me get this straight. Because you are unable, for whatever reason, valid or invalid, because you are unable to use chopsticks, you wish that chopsticks had failed for a huge segment of the population of the planet. Yeah. Wow. I see nothing wrong with this. Hold on. Hold on. I've got a word for this, Jeff. <laughs> hold on. What is it? Yes, 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 that is. Narcissist. <laughs> Noun. Yeah. Give me the definition here. Let's go. So it's apparent we're doing this today. <laughs> So JT, we had talked a little bit about, we've talked a lot over the last couple of years about technology and specifically old technology. You have your museum, well, your whole house is a museum, but. Uh, yeah, I guess you could say that, uh, Jeff, I am a fan of the retro software and hardware. See, I think fan doesn't properly encompass, this is, it's not grand enough to describe, you've basically devoted a significant portion of your house to collecting technology. Okay, so I, I'm not right? disputing that I have set aside a large well, portion of my house for collecting old things. As they say in court, this is, this is not in dispute. Right. However, I will emphatically dispute that fan is the wrong okay. word. Because fan, as most people should for know, is fanatic. short for fanatic, which is a noun. And it is defined as a person filled with excessive and single-minded zeal. Did you go and look that up? I did. And oh I think gosh. that that kind of actually does fit. <laughs> okay. Actually, in that way, no, because I'm not single-minded in zeal towards retro stuff. That's just one of my many zeals. Right. Yeah. I have no idea how to respond to that, so I'm just going to keep on moving past that. But uh, Nice. Uh, I stumped him. It's actually not that hard. If you know where the, the right topics are. Anyway, so the reason I, I brought this up initially is that we, we've had a conversation, well, just many conversations in the past about technologies that have not survived for one reason or another. Uh, and usually the, uh, there's some kind of lamentation over, I wish it hadn't survived. Or I wish I wish it had survived. And then I had the thought, um, you, you actually suggested this as, as a topic. And then I thought, well... There's a lot of things that I wish had survived, but there's even more things that I wish had failed. So, 
I'm kind of thinking, like your comedy career. Uh, no, that still hasn't failed. It's the that's still in question, right? No, that that, the, that, the that failed a long time ago, Jeff. Out, right? Yeah, it's out because they all died because it was that bad. They can't reconvene. Right. So moving right on. So I, I have an idea. We'll do like this uh, two sides of the same issue kind of thing. Uh, so how about you share about technology that you limit has failed, and you have innumerable things around your room to look at and, and pick out. And I'll make fun of all that and lament stuff that I thought should be also be on that list. How's that sound? Okay. Sure. Sure. Um, I think first and foremost of all the things that failed that I wish hadn't uh, is one that's very near and dear to your heart. Okay. And that is Linspire. Yes, I, I see. I see the tears streaming down your face now. I'm having to control you, myself. I should think about this. No, they're not tears of sadness. I'm livid right now. No, if you no, can't no. tell, so I'm livid. To be fair, in many ways, Linspire was kind of a train wreck. We had Chris on before to to talk to us about some of that. The reason I say I lament that Linspire failed is because I I think had it been better obviously that would have been a requirement for it to not have failed i think that could have done really a lot for bringing linux to the masses earlier than when it actually did like if you think about what canonical did if linspire had done all that but previously i think we would say that it would have been a good thing and i mean this is me who isn't the greatest fan of ubuntu but but I don't want to agree with that statement. I don't want to agree with that statement. Objectively, I probably That's just because could. of your irrational hatred of Linspire. Yes, that's exactly why. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I openly admit I have an irrational hatred for Linspire. It's not... No, actually, we had Chris on. It's not irrational. He actually validated many of the complaints that I had independently. Maybe he listened to some of my complaints before and decided to speak to some of them. Or I, It seemed like a lot of the things he was volunteering were very organic. So I'm going to assume that all of the things he was volunteering were organic and that all of them validated my position and none of them validated yours because that's exactly what happened, right? So having gotten all that out of the way, I can't agree with your statement. I refuse to. But Okay, you're, you're missing the point that I'm making here. Well, then make it. I'm not saying... I, I, I'm trying to, but you are doing your classic, I'm going to see the argument he's making and turn it 90 degrees and then argue against that, which I can win. <laughs> I never do Obviously, that. Linspire failed because it was a train wreck. What I'm saying is, had Linspire been, again, what Canonical did with Ubuntu, had they done that instead of the dumpster fire that they did, I think Linspire had the capability to do at a much earlier date what Ubuntu later accomplished for the Linux ecosystem. And that's why I kind of lament that it failed. I'm not I'm not saying that Linspire as it was should have succeeded because no, no, no. Um, I'm saying I lament that Linspire failed because it sucked. And had it been good, I think it could have been great for Linux. Oh, that's, now that's music to my ears, the first part. The second part, can't be on board, but I respect your uh, your. Uh, um, I respect that you can be wrong, and that's fine. I'm not going to get in the way of that. You know. I, I shall remind everyone that during our self-install fest, Jeff couldn't get an old version of Slackware installed, but yet Linspire worked on the first attempt. Just saying. Okay. 
Where, it's on YouTube. People can this? go ver people can go verify that for themselves. They can't, yes. And they'll find my disgust on my face as I'm doing this. That it worked. That my disgust that I had to touch a computer in which Linspire is even near. That you installed. Actually, I believe you put the disc Without in. failure. You put the disc in, not me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was stuck operating a thing. Now, I also recall that you did this deliberately because you knew that I had nowhere to go. I, was, I, I could not escape from the setup. And in fact, that's part of the comedy of these things, is it not? That you set me up to fail and then laugh at me when I fail, right? That's, that's the whole point of this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 this is this is going to be uh, throwing lots of barbs, apparently, the entire episode. <laughs> Bring it on. Yep. <laughs> That's probably true. Guess much it, it to works. my great dismay. It works so smoothly that I'm like, I I thought this was going to be interesting, right? And it it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Also, because of the position of my room, you could have walked out at any time. There was no way I could have stopped you. Okay, so. right. So here I am, a co-presenter with you as uh, the equivalent of a keynote or something like Saturday evening entertainment. Not a keynote, but. The, the thing we look forward to on Saturday after we're done with all the nice you know, learning stuff and we're on to fun stuff. And you're saying, oh, it was okay for you to walk out. Right. Not socially acceptable to walk out. And not a thing I would do to our viewers or listeners, honestly. That's not fair to them. So, no, I was not going to walk out. I bore that terrible atrocity with all the, I don't know the right word there. I bore it, even though it really pained me. But uh, we got through it eventually, and I was very pleased when we were able to rip that CD out, and I had to resist breaking it. Um, I believe I actually did take the CD out and hand it to you, but we could go back and look at the stream. My memory not being the best, maybe I'm just completely fabricating all these details. Who knows? Someone can watch and, and call me out on it if it's, in fact, wrong. But I, I do lament that I was not able to get the older Slackware running. I can't remember why, actually. I'll have to go back and look. Uh, it was, it was a, I believe it was a floppy issue. Ah. So nothing I could control then? Well, no, that's that's arguable, because floppy issues and booting from a CD was something that was common back in the day. Yes, it was, but not on the so, hardware that you provided. You provided inadequate hardware. There you go, shifting the blame again. Uh, I'm putting it where it belongs. Anyway, shall we return back to your... What's the opposite of a rant when, when something is positive? Your gush over Linspire. Let's just get through this and get on to the next thing. Oh, I was done. Oh, great. So we're done. What's the next thing? Uh, well, like, was there something that you thought should have died that didn't? Yeah, actually. HOV lanes. Hear me out. I don't know if you have this. Okay. Where okay. you are. Okay. Go for it. Go for it. Uh, they were designed as a traffic control, uh, urban improvement, uh, considering that most people that drive into work every morning are doing so with just them in the car. It was a good idea to try and drive, to incentivize people into carpooling, I guess, um, and also to give a place for buses to pass through and all that. And the net result of that, especially in Dallas, is that no one wants to carpool because we're all going to different places. We don't 
especially now, house, cost of housing is so high that you can't really afford to live close to where you work. Not much anymore. And if you do, you're probably close enough that you can either take a train or, or, or walk or, or bike or something. So if you're driving, odds are you do not live anywhere near one of your coworkers. So the thought was great. The execution was terrible. And they have not yet pulled the HOV lanes. And boy, if they did so, it would offer so much relief to the traffic that happens every day. And yeah, we still have rush hour traffic in the morning and the evening, despite COVID keeping people at home and people working from home. We still have a rush hour in Dallas because there's just that many stinking people. So I would like for HOV lanes to just go away. Unfortunately, they spent billions rebuilding highways so they could accommodate HOV lanes, some of them with quite complicated uh, on-offs and, and shared between the two, uh, two directions of traffic. Right? I-35 east through Dallas, they actually built a whole center lane out, a whole center section out, and depending on the time of day, either northbound or southbound is able to go through there. And it's this very complicated, sure, it costs billions upon billions to add in. Now, it being I-35, it was probably subsidized heavily by the federal government. But still, if we were to take those lanes away and undo all that and give them back to their north and southbound brethren, then everything would be much better. So, and that may just be a Dallas thing. I don't believe that it's just a Dallas thing, but I firmly believe that HLV lanes should expire. I wish they had. I wish the sunk cost was not so great, and we just don't update highways often enough to, to warrant ripping them out, frankly. Although some of them, it was just like, we're just going to take the left lane and shuffle it over a foot and add little barrier things there, and that's going to be our HLV lane. Those could very easily be returned back to normal, but still the city has not. I really wish it would die. So in Maryland, the uh, HOV lanes are literally just like painted different. Like there's nothing else. It's like, it, it, I mean, there are a few where it actually is like you go off onto, but a lot of them, it's literally just like the far left lane. Mm -hmm. And they'll just have like a certain colored stripe on it so that you right. know. Yeah. So HOV lanes fall into the category of, I think it's Reason TV on YouTube has a series of like, you know, best of intentions, what could possibly go wrong. Right. And it's it's like this sounds like a good idea, and then they tell you like, and this was like the the uh, what happened was the exact opposite of what they wanted. Mm -hmm. um, Cobra effect. HOV lanes kind of seem that like it seems like oh this would be a great way to help traffic. No no no, it makes traffic worse mm -hmm. considerably because invariably you will get that one person who is doing HOV has four people in the car and is going the speed limit in the HOV lane. So the regular lanes are going faster than the HOV lane. And the HOV lane just becomes basically a parking lot as everyone backs up behind that one person. That's exactly what happened. Yep. Yeah. So uh, Maryland, they were talking about something, which I thought was very interesting, which was like they're we're going to get rid of HOV lanes, but we're going to do something else. It never really got off the drawing board because people went ape shit over it. <laughs> so basically you could it's like in certain areas the left hand lane instead of being an hov lane was going to become a high speed lane and you had to pay the idea was you would have to pay a certain amount of money every year to get this on your license i th and it was going to be like an extraordinary amount of money i think it was like going to be like an extra thousand dollars a year or whatever yikes and you had to take like a special education class but then you could drive in that lane and go up to like 30 miles an hour over the speed limit like oh legally okay and you would have like there would be a special license plate you would get the idea being the people who are doing, you know, going down, you know, I-90 or whatever, they, they do it every single day. Mm -hmm. They're going to the same spot. The HOV lane isn't working. Let's A, make money off of these people and, 
you know, let them drive faster safely. And there was also like some stipulations where if you ever got caught speeding anywhere else in the state, you lost that privilege, like regardless of you had paid ah, it. Yes. So it like it enforced you to be far more careful every other every other place you drove, because if you got any ticket, like if mm -hmm. you blew a stop sign or whatever, you would then lose that ability. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's a good incentive there, actually. But it it didn't go through. So they have done some modifications in Dallas. They have uh, so 635 on the north part of Dallas is one of the most heavily traveled highways in the area, frankly. It's not really a good way to go east-west in that part of Dallas, and so you pretty much have to be going on one of the major highways. So they had so much problems, even with, with or without the HIV things, they had so many problems that they decided to do something radical, and they dug out kind of the middle portion of the highway, and they created a second section that's lower. And they called this the HLV slash Texas Express or Texpress lanes. So conceivably, you can be qualifying for HOA or you can choose to pay a toll to go down there and you can skip all the traffic. Well, what ended up happening is no one was doing the HOV thing and a whole bunch of people were using it for Texpress lanes and paying the tolls. And they're like, well, great, we're just going to start calling it that and take HOV off the sign entirely. And they made a lot of money. Now, I know that the rebuild of that section of 635 was quite expensive, so it was, it was, I'm sure they're still paying off the capital expenditures, but this was like 10 years ago, and it's been a huge success. So they have started to convert some of these dedicated HOV lanes into Texpress lanes instead, so they're making some money, and they're actually getting some traffic out of regular traffic and into these express lanes. They just, they incentivize the wrong thing, right? Incentivizing people to travel together and save on gas doesn't work. I mean, this is Texas. We don't care about that. <laughs> we have plenty of oil and we'll do whatever the hell we feel like. It yeah, seems like here's the what it goes. Here, here's the thing, Jeff. I don't really call HOV lanes something tech-related. Okay. Well... I mean, I give, I give you an A for effort. I but... disagree. It's okay. Now, I think technology, it's, it's fair to classify that as technology, right? And it's just not technology on the level that you were thinking, right? It's, it, maybe it's not a consumer electronics or, not, you know, a software or game console or, or something, right? But it was the very first thing that popped into my head. And I was like, man, I wish HOV lanes had never, I would fail already, right? And I'm kind of partially getting my wish in slow motion with the whole Tech Express thing, right? But it, it does qualify as a technology. It was a technology designed to improve urban um, traffic flows. Maybe it's a good way to put it. That totally qualifies as a technology. So you can be, you can give me that face all you want, that, that kind of smirking, disappointed face, but it totally counts. And uh, I'm going to stick by that. I got other things in there, more classic technology. So I just, let's uh, just keep on going down the list. What's your next thing that technology, I can Technology, noun. The application of scientific knowledge for practical oh, purposes, especially again. in industry. Are we really going to be doing this? You're just going to force me to, defi to define everything and acknowledge the, 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 the definition? Because I'm not going to. I, I stand by what I said. So on to your next thing. On to my next thing. So since you disagree with Linspire, that's fine. I'll give you that. In, in the OS space, though, anybody that has known me for any period of time knows that I was a fan of BOS. Mm -hmm. And I, I absolutely loved that OS. It, was, it, was, it wasn't Unix, but it was oddly Unix-like, though definitely unique in its own way. Mm -hmm. the, UI, the UI was different. And I just kind of loved that it was kind of oddball. And... I have a soft spot in my heart for those like eight bit classic icons. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like I just I see those and I just like 
I just smile inside every time I see them. There's a healthy community of people that still do 8-bit art and 8-bit icons and, and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm actually, uh, I knew of a person who was going back and designing games for the NES. And this is like a year and a half ago he was doing this. Uh, he was actually trying to squeeze the, the absolute most he possibly could out of that 6502, which is really impressive. Or 6503, I can't remember which it is. Um, but he was doing all this 8-bit art, and it was really pretty, and he's doing really awesome stuff with it, too. Like, Anyway, difficult to describe. But there's, there's a whole healthy environment, or a uh, movement of people that are still doing that. So you don't, it's not like you have to lament that they're gone. They're not, you know? You well, could totally no, replace it, all of your icons in your desktop with 8-bit equivalents if you wanted to. Well, I just, I have the BOS icon set, so I can just use those. Okay, so oh, no, then I, I misunderstood that. You're specifically those BOS well, icons. I have, I have an affinity towards 8-bit icons okay. anyway. The okay. BOS ones are just, I don't know, for me, they're just very classic. They're well-designed, they're simple, but they're very unique. Would you say that they're iconic? No. <laughs> um, because, because, Jeff, you don't want to play the definition game tonight, remember? You don't want to talk about word definition, so oh, we can't do that. That was just hanging right there. I had to. It was just, mm -hmm. the, I could mm -hmm. not, right? Yeah, you I could have resisted. You I know. I, there was no way I could resist. I was powerless to resist. Oh, uh, so you're, you're saying that your childishness took over and you could not, as an adult, resist going there. I'm not going to go that far, but uh, mm -hmm. I, I mm -hmm. wouldn't say anything about childishness. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> there was just something... I don't... I don't know really how else to describe it. I guess part of it is just having used it and liked the simplicity and the smoothness of it that maybe that doesn't translate well to people who never used it as an OS. But if you look at what else was available at the time, it was offering something fresh and unique and there wasn't anything else quite like it. Uh, Linux desktops at the time were an absolute they were a train disaster. wreck. Just like absolutely worthless. Train wreck isn't even in the ballpark. It couldn't. It couldn't display anything that required animation or movement. Practically, it was like static image or nothing. That's how bad it was. Now that's one of the things I remember being impressed about PS4 is that they were. It was supposed to be like multimedia friendly, multimedia forward. Like you could intrinsically do video and audio, and it could do multiple audio streams without any con you know, concerns and. All these things that you couldn't do in Linux at the time. And I was like, ooh, that sounds really good. I hope that that makes it its way over into Linux someday. Kind of did, but not really. Certainly not from B. It, it, uh, it took a while for us to figure out how to do multiple audio streams or multiple video streams at the same time. I mean, if you look at Mac OS at the time, that would have been eight, seven and eight. And like the, yeah, it, it wasn't as, people now look, think Mac is pretty. I don't, but a lot of people do. But if you look back to like seven and eight, it it wasn't really. You know, Windows ninety eight wasn't exactly pretty either. No, no, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't as bad as ninety five. That was definitely an improvement there. Well, but... I didn't really see much of Windows ninety eight because I was always like, oh, let's go load Red Alert or let's go load Half Life or whatever. You know, I didn't really care much for ninety eight. It was just the means to the end. But yeah, it. Uh, yeah, I, I'm in agreement. I also remember that it came from. I seem to recall 95 was the consumer forward thing, and then in Windows NT was the business operating system. And they were starting to merge them together. So 98 had some elements of NT imported into it, and some of them were like the, the visualizations. Um, some of the, the icons were just very boring. The 
color scheme was very boring. It felt very businessy to me. For some reason, I didn't pay much attention to it. And it wasn't really much you could customize either back in those days. But I think you could set your backdrop, and you could painstakingly change one icon at a time if you really felt like it. But, uh... Well, that's what that's what Microsoft Plus was for, or Windows Plus, or whatever it was that they. I didn't they remember had. about that. I think that was for ninety eight. I know they came out for XP, but I thought it was for ninety eight as well. Yeah, Windows ninety eight plus. There was also they had two major releases of Windows ninety eight, as I recall. There was the the initial. Yeah, that was ninety eight and ninety eight second uh, OSR two or whatever it was. Yeah. So I helped many people install ninety eight OSR two. Um. I don't know where all the license numbers were coming from, but there must have been a generator of some kind that someone had. The uh, Fujitsu laptop I had at the time came with second mm -hmm. edition on it. Which was more stable, but just as ugly as the first one. But it was an improvement. I think that was them importing more NT technology into there to improve the stability of Windows 98. And yeah. Well, NT, NT was also in 95, because NT was originally mm -hmm. um, uh, Windows 3.5. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then NT4 was the Windows 98 equivalent for business, I believe. And then there was a 4.1 and then Windows 2000. By the time Windows 2000 and XP had come out... What? You're going you're gonna to skip over Millennium? Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. So is that one of the texts that you are glad failed, Jeff? Windows Actually, Millennium? I had blocked it out that it even existed. Uh, so is that a yes, then? I don't, I don't lament that it failed. I'm happy that... No, you're, you're happy that it failed. That's yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, but yeah. To, I was saying that I'm going to suggest things that I wish had failed. I am happy that Windows Millennium failed oh, horribly. Oh, okay, okay. I'm also... Well, then what's the next thing, what's the next thing you wish failed? Chopsticks. Chopsticks. <laughs> I just want to see the look on your face. <laughs> no, I literally had this on my list. And since you were complaining so much about HOV lanes are not a technology, I decided to go uh, back into that trough again. Um, I have never mastered chopsticks. I have been... That seems more like a problem with you than, than chopsticks. Well, perhaps so, but I wish that they weren't around, because every time I go to somewhere that has chopsticks, I feel compelled to try again. And I can kind of do it, but usually I end up hurting my hand a lot. Maybe it's just the way I grip it, or maybe I'm just incapable of chopsticks or something. So I kind of wish chopsticks were not a thing, so I would never have to feel self-conscious about that I can't use them. You know, you could just learn how to use I them. I have tried. I've even gotten some of those trainer chopsticks, and I thought, oh, I'm getting a handle on this, and it just, I don't know what happens. It's just like my, and I, I play musical instruments, right? I play guitar and bass. I get very intimate with these you know, finger movements and everything that was required for playing wow. stringed instruments. Wow. Don't take that a different direction. Out of context. Don't take that a different direction. Well, okay, this has gone a weird direction. But anyway, I'm stating that to state, to, to suggest that I have the dexterity for everything except chopsticks. I have found a good use for them in poking high-voltage high, high voltage electrical circuits, though. So, so let me get this straight. Because you are unable, for whatever reason, valid or invalid, because you are unable to use chopsticks, you wish that chopsticks had failed for a huge segment of the population of the planet. Yeah. Wow. I see nothing wrong with this. Hold on. Hold on. I've got a word for this, Jeff. <laughs> Hold on. What is it? Yes, 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 that is. Narcissist. <laughs> Noun. Yeah, give me the definition here. Let's go. So it's apparent we're doing this today. <laughs> uh, I, uh, oh God. There are so many areas that I could go with that. The but... reason I stated it was exactly for this reaction right here. This kind of, I... Yeah, I'm just going to I'm, I'm gonna let my buddy Joey take care of that. I, and... I'm beyond disappointed in you right now. That's what his look says. It's, it's, it's so perfect. Thank you. So, mm. all right. So, 
chopsticks. That's my number two. Okay. So, what is your number so, things? Number three thing you wish had not failed. Um. So actually, this came up in the Telegram Matrix channel this hmm. week, and that was because I got an email that had a GIF of an old smartphone. So that's that's my number three is old smartphones because you know the old Nokia communicators, the old Palm trios. There's there's something about those old first Star Trek, you know, push towards smartphones mm-hmm. that I just I don't know I really liked they they had personality they were unique every phone now is pretty much the same they're shaped the same they look the same they they for most parts function exactly the same and like that's good I'm not I'm not knocking the fact that they all function the same but there's nothing exciting about a phone anymore. Whereas if you look back to those old first, you know, first generation, second generation smartphones before the iPhone, like they had character and there was just something really neat about them. And I don't know, they're just phones now are boring. Mm-hmm. They're not enjoyable. I will make the same argument about modern vehicles. And I believe that both of them suffered from the same thing. It's that you got this wild, um, variability in people doing whatever they want. There were some really crazy car designs and really interesting phone designs out there, some of which were successful, wildly successful, others which were not received well. And there's just been this brutal evolutionary process over the last 20, 30 years for both cars and and cell phones. And I'm sure other devices too, but those are the two that come to mind. And when you look at modern cars today, even um, sports cars that have iconic, you know, some things like compare a 370Z against any other sports car, and they all look pretty much the same. They have the same profile because it's aerodynamics that, that people have realized this is really important. And then you compare that against a car, which is not a sports car, and you're like, huh, that's got very similar lines. Why does the non-sports car have similar lines to the sports car? Because manufacturers have realized if we're going to meet these stringent gas mileage requirements, we must be building uh, cars that are efficient cutting through the air. So therefore... Every car made today has some degree of sports car cues. You just don't find the boxy things anymore, with with a few exceptions, right? And I think the same thing has happened to cell phones. We're evolving towards better cameras, larger screens, and longer battery life. Now, I recall that we were talking in a previous episode about how much we wish, uh, like, uh, you were complaining about how thin phones got, and you wish that if you added a couple of millimeters of size, we could have that much more battery life, right? And I agree with that. Phones have evolved towards what is cheapest to manufacture that meets the needs of the consumers, or at least the consumers, the, the needs of the consumers as the manufacturers observe it, right? Because there's a lot of people that would really enjoy flip phones, but they don't have the cachet of the big wide screens. And we've only recently got foldable tech, and it's even then not fantastic, right? It still it involves a bulky thing. So... I just see the same, hmm, the same problems, and it's not a problem of design and implementation. It is a problem of profitability. So, we need manufacturers that are willing to make less profit to make more exciting things, and thereby perhaps discover other sources of revenue, and then that problem would fix itself. But I don't really know how that works because it's difficult to design a cell phone. And the components that you must have to compete with other modern cell phones are so expensive that I, I think it's really difficult to 
to have a new company decide I'm going to start manufacturing a new phone. Unless they have, like, the backing of the Chinese government that will just throw billions of dollars at them to get through the design phases to get something out, like Huawei did. Okay, so I, I, hear, I hear what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. If that were true, then this phone that I'm holding in my hand right now, that you can mm -hmm. see, would never have been made. Mm. Um, th this phone was not a high volume phone. It's not a high production volume phone. Mm -hmm. It had a full color screen. It's not in focus, by the way. Uh, well, that's because it's in front of my face and my face is in focus. So let me pull, pull there it. You go. There you go. Hey, now your face is out um, of focus. I mean, it has a <laughs> five inch screen on it. It looks like something out of the movie Hackers. You're going to have to take a it, picture it uh, and put the picture in the show notes. Well, there's pictures in the Telegram channel because I actually posted pictures oh. of it. So they're there. Right. But like, this was not a high volume phone. And, and keep in mind, when this came out, like this was, this was above top of the line phone. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't even actually know how much this phone cost new. Let me see if I can pull that up real Interesting. quick. Interesting. I've, I've seen phones like that in movies. That looks like something that came out of a movie. Which, we live in a connected future. This would be like the late 90s or early 2000s. We live in the hyper-connected future where you can get to anything you want and you can do it from your phone, which was not reality back then. Maybe it was partially reality, but that was a very expensive proposition. Like uh, Mission Impossible, where they're on this train and it's 1992, and they're trying to transmit the, the knock list off of the laptop using some kind of wireless device. And I'm like, what is it sending it to? What's on the other end of that? They're on a bullet train. So I'll have to imply some kind of like wireless network or cellular network that would be receiving it. So I, I can't find the actual price that this sold for, but this one came out in 2001. That's 2001? Wow. Yeah, 2001. Um, this uses wow. uh, Edge, ne Edge Network. So it's a GSM. I can stick a SIM card mm -hmm. in it. We actually were talking in the channel about, you know, could I get this running again? And it turns out I probably could till the end of the month right <laughs> um which is uh, i would have yeah. to i would have to find a t-mobile tower that still supports yeah, it we don't have long but you did learn about it soon enough that you could conceivably test it but like in i mean i used this up until well i let me, let me refer, i used it on and off up until probably 2011 wow um i really? would still every once in a while just for yeah just for fun like all you had to do, it's GSM. You stick your SIM card in it. And it works. And you turn the thing on, and boom, there you mm -hmm. go. And you could send text messages with it. And yes, you could actually browse the web, sort of. The modern web would not work on that right. screen. But you could, you know, go to old classic sites and still pull stuff up mm -hmm. on it. You could send emails the with it. The old directory services like, kind of stuff, or Yahoo, whatever, or that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, you, you could still do all, most, well, all the things it could do originally, you could still do. So is that a full color screen, or is that like more of an LCD panel? Like 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 a or like letters? Is it like a console? No, no, it's it's a full okay, full screen. Let me. Did you have nibbles on it or whatever that the snake game was? No, I did oh, not. So Let that me then, send you. It's inadequate as a phone. Then there, I just sent you a picture. Phones of that era really need to have. I will try to remember to put that in the show okay, notes. Okay, great. But yeah, like it's it's full color LCD display. Third generation. Ooh, I want to go see the earlier generations. I'm going to go look at that. So the earlier generations was actually in a movie. Hmm. I think the first the first phone of this family, the original Nokia communicator, was in... Um, what was that Val Kilmer movie where he was in Russia and he was a, like... Oh, The Saint. The Saint, mm -hmm. yes. It was in The Saint. But yeah, this came out in 2001. It worked perfectly fine. 
uh, if, you know, 2G Edge was still around, 3G Edge would still around, it would still work fine. Mm-hmm. I have to find the charging cable for it. Right. But, like, when this came out, this was not a high production volume phone. Nokia was not making lots, they were not making all their money off of these. Right. But they still made them. And they still obviously made a fair amount of money off them. They're like technology demos that were profitable. Like a, right. I think so like, why don't we have that today? That. They still do that, but they don't then try and sell units of them. But I don't really see that. Like, what? okay, let, let's talk specifically with phones. Okay. What technology demos are there that we have had in phones other than the foldable screens? I don't have a good answer to that because I really have not paid much attention to phones in a long time. Okay. But I can't, nothing has popped out to me other than a resurgence of uh, like a modern Razor, which is, we're going to make flip phones cool again, but they're going to have the amenities of a modern smartphone, which I don't actually know how that works unless you've got a foldable tech in the middle. Maybe it was, uh, I think it was two separate screens. Okay. Yeah. So they they wanted to to recapture the, the whatever of the Motorola Razor that was so wildly popular. And that was, yeah, it was the PT Cruiser of phones. That's what they were trying. (laughs) And it succeeded about as well. (laughs) Oh, man, that analogy just hits the nail on the head. That's fantastic. But, I mean, you know, like, also, you know, my trio with the little keyboard, Mm -hmm. I I love this thing. I wasn't really a fan of the Blackberries. I do have a Blackberry Preve, Mm -hmm. which the screen slides up and it gives you access to the keyboard. Mm -hmm. Somewhere I still have my my original, uh, the G1, the original Google phone. Oh, I... Don't think I kept mine, but I definitely got that. Yeah, I was I was thrilled with it. It was the very first Android phone, as I recall. Like I, I love physical keyboards on phones. Mm-hmm. I do. I'm one of those weirdos. But I realize most people don't. I would benefit from having it because I'm so bad at typing. Like I, I don't know if it's just my big thumbs or I, I just don't have enough tension or I don't know what it is. But I actually really struggle to type. And you'll often see me if I'm if I'm talking in the Telegram channel on my phone, you'll find random periods where spaces are supposed to be because I can never quite get it to hit the space bar and I don't know why. Yeah. The other thing about palms that I loved was graffiti. Mm-hmm. Yes. I could do graffiti faster than I could type mm-hmm. on on the keyboard. Like I was I had graffiti down pat. Mm-hmm. I could just, you know, whip out notes like crazy. I was, I was good I loved at that too, it. yeah. I wish there was something like that for Android. But again, that goes back to my comments the other week about how both phones don't have styluses anymore. Yeah. Like, I want that back. Oh, Bring that back. Oh, I saw an advertisement for Samsung 20S22 or Galaxy 22, whatever it is, Ultra. And they, guess what? They have a stylus in the phone. Nice. So they have decided that that's okay again. Now it's the Ultra, okay. so it's kind of like a... um. Well, we, we decided that wasn't cool, but now since it's a really neat feature, it's really cool to have a stylus, and it's something that no one else has. Uh, so now it's cool again, right? Gotcha. Well, whatever whatever that means. But uh, no, I was actually really pleased to see that. Now I'm never going to go out and buy a 22 Ultra because that's, they're ruinously expensive, and I use maybe 15% of the features on things like that. Yeah. So there's not really much point. I don't really take a lot of photographs with it. I'm not... I had a, I heard a side note. I heard a funny commercial recently about um, talking about why you wouldn't need an unlimited data plan. Are you an Instagram? Uh, how are they called? Not entertainer. What's the word? An influencer? Are you on your phone all day long? Then you don't need an unlimited plan. Come buy our plan for 25 bucks a month for eight gigs or something like that. And I was just laughing like, boy, do they know their target audience? Because this is, ex- you're targeting people that, you know, generally are old. 
and don't need a data plan and they hate influencers or anything like that, right? So they just, it's like, man, this is such a good advertisement for their audience. I'm taking notes. I'm like, okay, find a thing that someone hates and then figure out how to turn it into a plus for you that yours doesn't have that. Totally a good workable strategy. Anyway, I was very amused by that. So, okay. So moving back to you, what's your, what's your next thing? Well, I was actually going to try and come up with another non-technology technology just to irritate you, but I said it now. All right, 3D TVs. You're glad they failed? Yeah. Now, technically, okay. they're still well, around. Well, the technology is still around in some TVs, but I always found it to be so clunky and never, um, never reliable. Okay, you're going to need to define what you mean by 3D TV. Okay, so I'm talking about the 2006 to 2010 era. You know, HDT, think, think back in 2005. HDT TVs have come in and taken over. Everybody's now got 720 or 1080p screens. And manufacturers are now looking for the next thing that will drive people to, to shed their TVs they just bought a year ago and buy something new. And they settle on 3D TVs, 3D movies, right? So the movie, the, the movie producer companies are, are starting to put out some 3D movies and there were some decent ones out there but all, almost all of them had those kind of gimmicky things like oh look we're gonna have something that reaches all the way out into the screen to touch you in the nose and gonna cause headaches or whatever and then they tried to take all this technology that kind of worked in a theater and kind of didn't and bring it home and it was never cheap and it never really worked if you were the only person watching it and sitting right in the center then it kind of worked but uh i could never wear those 3d glasses without getting a headache well, because there were two types. Okay. There were the, there were the ones that uses sh shutter glasses. Mm -hmm. Like NVIDIA put out a, a set of those that you could use. And then there were, um, uh, I guess it's audio stereoscopic TVs where you didn't need anything, but you had to be like at a certain angle. Mm -hmm. Like, which are, which are you talking about? Are you talking about all of it? Um, generally all of it, but I really hated the, the ones, the, the lenses that, that, uh, one that you could hear them clacking as they turned on and off and they were closing off eyes or whatever. Not clacking. Well, I think... There was, there was an I, LCD I could be wrong. panel that, I, was, that was changing real fast. You could not see through it. Yeah, I think I think the, uh, the NVIDIA ones were electronic. Mm -hmm. And I don't ever remember being able to hear them. Hmm. Might have been. So I never had a 3D TV, but uh, I think my in-laws had some, or my, my uh, aunt and uncle had gotten one and I tried it one time and I had to put it down after five minutes. I'm like, uh-uh, nope. Nope, massive headache, tend to leave. Yeah, some people didn't do too well with that. I was one of those people. And then I always felt like this is a solution in search of a problem. The other thing that I did know, because a friend of mine had the NVIDIA ones, that's where I experienced it. Um, actually, Jeremy had the NVIDIA really? ones too. Okay. I don't know if he still has mm -hmm. them. Yeah. But you need to have it so it is in sync with the frame rate of the TV. Right. And the frame rate of what you're watching. Mm -hmm. And if all of those weren't dead on. You're going to see flickering and, and you could You, could get, some you yeah. could get some weird stuff out of yep. it. And I think that's really what uh, upset me the most, or upset my, my delicate constitution, such that I got a headache or, or whatever. I'm getting out in front of the joke you might make here. But I just really, I, I always felt like, okay, so we've got a thing that causes nausea or headaches for a lot of people that doesn't ever really work quite as well as they're saying it does. They're now putting in TVs, even, even mid-grade TVs got more expensive. And check I didn't realize we were talking about VR. No, we're not. Well, because everything you just said pretty much applies to VR. Yeah, I was about to get to that. Um, okay. So to, don't, don't steal my thunder here, buddy. Come on. You know, you've already... Anyway, so 
Dang it, now I've lost my train of thought. I was going somewhere very profound. We're just going to say, that was a very profound idea that you distracted me from. So, I, I think I am pleased that VR tech has finally evolved enough that it's actually having some success. And I realize also, a large part of that, in my opinion, is due to there's finally one or two killer apps out on VR. Half-Life 3, Alex, or whatever it is. That was finally the thing that, you God, you've got to try this. You have to get VR to try this. And I don't think there was ever a killer app or anything for 3D TV. There was never this like movie like, you've got to see this. The closest we got was Avatar, right? Back in 2011, I think. But I don't ever think that you could get the same experience that you got in a movie theater watching it in 3D if you were to sit at home. Well, the, clearly the answer is you need 3D IMAX in your basement. Yeah, because who's got the time and the money for that? Well, you do, apparently. I don't. I'm in North Dallas. We don't have basements. Uh, okay. Yeah, true. <laughs> well, that was over fast. For, for once, you didn't put up a huge, massive fight, even though you were not going to win the argument. Wow. It was low effort. I, I wasn't, <laughs> yeah. I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to commit to that one. Minimum effort. That is exactly accurate. But, uh, so I have not, still don't have any VR or anything. I'm not stepped into it. I, I was considering doing so with uh, some of the, uh, what's the one that Facebook bought and has been mangling since then? Quest, I think? Oculus? Oculus, yeah. Uh, but then, pretty early on after Facebook bought it, they made operating the Oculus devices conditional upon you must have a Facebook account and you must be logged in. And I was like, nope, not going to do that. Flatly refused. I will either wait for them to pull head from ass or just not ever use Oculus. And it seems like they're in the forefront of relatively inexpensive but good quality kind of in that good balance right and that's where i'm looking for you can go spend a lot more money for some other tech um or you can spend a lot less money and get something vastly inferior that would just throw away because i'd be unhappy with it so i guess i'm waiting for i don't know what frankly and i think vr could be really cool but it's it it hasn't evolved enough to make me want to actually give take a shot at it right and if you have a delicate constitution, you should definitely try it out first. Mm -hmm. Yes. A headset before you actually drop the money for it. There was also, I remember if you're going to do it, on, you know, it'd be best if you're, I don't know, was there console VR gaming or has it always been a PC thing? No, there's a PlayStation. Okay. So, but I, I remember thinking or, or reading back then, it's like, if you're going to do VR, then you really need to get a really nice video card or perhaps a pair of video, nice video cards because you're going to be doubling the rendering. Uh, and it's really going to impact you if you don't have good enough, you know, um, enough horsepower, I guess. And that was right about when crypto mining was really coming into its stride and it was just starting to get hard to get a video card. And I was like, well, okay, I'll wait this out a little bit. If I can get some video card or a powerful video card or some, a pair of video cards for cheap, then maybe I'll give a shot at it. And that's never happened because it's never been cheap ever since then. Was that four or five years ago? Whenever it was? Well, no, it was uh, 2021. No. Early 21. Yeah, it's... that was when crypto, that's when crypto shot up. But there was a, there was a quick hmm. bull run in 2017 and into 18, but then it died pretty quickly after that. Okay. Prices went back down hmm. and it was 2021 that things really started to go, go nuts. Okay. But I, I recall there was been a shortage of video cards or graphics cards for a while. Even. Yeah, that's been since, that's been since 2021. Cause I know people that in 2020, we're buying dozens of video cards hmm. because they had the foresight to think, oh, Bitcoin's going to be having soon. Mm 
uh, every time Bitcoin halves, there's a bull market. Mm -hmm. So let's go ahead and buy now. Mm -hmm. And hmm. they bought a ton of video cards. And then when the bull market hit, they sold all the video cards for like three times what they paid for. Right. Like they weren't even doing crypto mining. Mm -hmm. They're just like, we're going to buy and flip and make a ton of money. Okay. And they were very successful in that. Right. I seem to recall early days of COVID, there was a run on gaming computer parts of all kinds. So there, there was a shortage in um, late 2020 of a lot of the 30 series video cards that NVIDIA was coming out with. Okay. But there wasn't really a shortage of the 20 series at that point. Um, you could still get the older cards. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until really the, the crypto market went crazy that then people were trying to buy anything and everything. Okay. Well, I, I just recall deciding back whenever it was, uh, I'm going to wait this out a little bit. And turns out it was not the right move. But I haven't really, like, since we've moved, I haven't really... I, my computer's not been on for eight months. I've been using a laptop or a tablet or, or other things. I haven't, I mean, I got my work laptop that I work on, but I'm talking about like my gaming PC. I haven't had it up in a long time. I haven't missed it, frankly. So that's pretty telling to me that maybe I shouldn't be investing in another gaming PC. That one is actually nine years old. The video card is four years old, so that's not terrible. Um, I guess uh, I was always planning to, once we get, you know, moved on and everything situated, I would probably look to getting a replacement gaming PC and kind of a setup and get back into that again, because there are a fair number of games I would like to play or things that I had purchased and intended to play and didn't get to. And now I'm having second thoughts about that. Like, well, maybe I could just spend that money more wisely somewhere else, right? And once you move into a new house, there's some degree of lots of things to fix or, or things to address or, or stuff you had to give up when you were moving or whatever. So anyway, all that aside, I never really got into VR, and I would like to, but it's not been a priority for me, I guess. I, I, would, I look forward to the thoughts of when VR will be more useful than just gaming and entertainment. I remember reading a book, I think it was called Airframe by Michael Crichton, and they had a VR something. I guess it would have been augmented reality, technically. And some kind of headset and control device, and you, he was walking around a plane and looking at things, and the augmented reality interface was showing what was underneath the skin or whatever of the plane at that point. You were trying to find where this part was in the plane, and so it had like an index of everything, and knew where you were in the plane. It was really cool. It was like, that that kind of stuff, that's what I'm really looking forward to, right? Could we, how far along a week that I could look at my computer inside, and it could kind of point out where the different parts are and indicate, well, okay, that needs to go in this slot or that slot or something. I realize there's a lot of context to master in that, but that's kind of what I'm looking for. When it's more than just entertainment, then I'll get much more interested in it. But I am glad that it has chugged along and has not died because I do see a lot of value in the things that are coming out of the VR and AR realm. I just want it to mature more. So, 3D TV's bad, VR and AR, good. I just, you know, summarize the last 12 minutes of ranting. Yeah, so anyway... Um... <laughs> Well, you just let me go as far as I wanted there. I, I, yeah, I, I was just going to let you run. I appreciate just let that. Let you run. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I apologize to the listeners if you were ready to check out of that discussion <laughs> after two minutes. Uh, oh, well, this is what you get, yep. you know? Yeah. Uh, so getting back on track, uh, the next thing <laughs> that is, I would say is... This whole episode is, has not been on track. <laughs> well, my stuff has been. You're just, you know, 
intentionally distracting, no, but that's fine. I'm not intentionally distracting. So my next things would be sub notebooks. Now I want to be very clear. I do not mean netbooks. Okay. Netbooks can die in a fire. <laughs> but right. sub notebooks like the Toshiba Liberetto. Okay. Of which I have one in front of me. Right. You should um, yes, these things. You you've probably pointed them out to me before. I absolutely loved this thing. Now, there's there were many versions. The the smaller ones, the 50CT and the 70CT, well, they had problems. The one that I'm uh, the one that I'm holding up for Jeff to see is the 110CT. I absolutely love this form factor. I would love for someone to make a modern laptop this size. Now, there's a couple reasons. One is it's just a convenient size to carry. Mm -hmm. It's about an inch thick. I know there's some people that are screaming at how thick that is, and you know, oh no, a notebook has to be like a centimeter thick. Because that's from but from like, 18 years ago or something, right? Here, here's a book, Jeff. Right. You notice how they're like it's the same size as a book mm -hmm. that you would hold in your hand. You know why most books are this thickness? Because when you cup your hand, it naturally forms that shape mm -hmm. to hold something with no effort. When it's thinner, you have to kind of pinch it. It looks about like the size of a VHS, maybe maybe a bit larger in length and width, but the 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 yeah, the it's it's thickness. definitely bigger than what a, a VHS is. Mm -hmm. If you just go and grab any book that's about eight by five mm -hmm. and about an inch and a half to two inches thick, like it's about that size. Mm -hmm. It it's a nice convenient size to carry. It's got a big enough screen to be able to do stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, it wasn't the most powerful thing. Yes, the battery sucked because all batteries sucked back then. Mm -hmm. But this thing was just a fantastic little mobile powerhouse. And I would love for somebody to make something similar today but no one does now gpd pocket or i should say gpd they make a bunch of little devices and a lot of them are pretty good but they're honestly i think they're trying to make them too small uh -huh. i think if they made them just a a tad bit bigger right. gave themselves a little bit more room to work with yeah i think so then it would be it would be good mm -hmm. and the other thing is you have to solve the battery issue they have to put a decent battery in yes. it don't skimp on the battery well we've gotten much better at, at kind of cramming battery into every nook and cranny and getting as much as we can out of it. And modern, modern cell phone design has kind of forced them to come up with some pretty creative battery design. And they've, they've, the technology's radically improved, so I think you could honestly do quite a lot. You could also reduce the, the size of the motherboard, the mainboard, and all the other components on there, and it could be really, really tiny. So, and the thing is, is these days, the chips are way more power efficient. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, this thing has a, a, a Pentium MMX in it. Gosh. Like, oh, you can wow. imagine how much power that thing is sucking down constantly. Yes. Yes, actually, I can. I mean, you would get maybe half an hour battery life. Wow. Now, there was an extended battery. But I, I but... could totally picture, I could, I could totally picture, like, walking into a data center with that thing and hooking up to a system, and all you need is a little console right there, and you've got this perfect little thing that you pull out of your pocket, of your parka, because you're in a data center and it's freezing. You pull that out, you, you know... Put it up on a shelf somewhere and do your little typing, connect it, and you're done, and then put it back in your pocket and go. Or, or something, anything, you know? It, it looks like something uh, that could have belonged on the movie Hackers, frankly. You know, the ultra-portable. I don't need a lot of horsepower to do what I'm doing. I just need it to be portable, and I got to be able to move quickly. So here we go. Small device. So I know, that was a really pretty good movie. They don't make systems like this anymore. Netbooks came out and just kind of, like, ruined the subcompact they did. design. They did. Um, I mean, Sony had some really good uh, subcompact sub or what do they call them? S yeah, subcompact computer. I don't know. SMBC, I think they were called. 
I don't know. Tough anyway, yeah. Sony had a bunch of good ones too. And they, they all kind of died once netbooks came out because networks were netbooks were so bad mm-hmm. that it just kind of destroyed the market segment. And mm-hmm. it's like, I really wish that market segment would come back. Yeah, actually. I'm totally on board with that. I would buy one of those. I don't really know what I would do with it. Um, honestly, I've been trying to come up with a couple projects. Uh, I, I come up with ideas for tools that I don't actually have a use for a lot. But one of them that I keep coming back to is this little kind of uh, all-enclosed screen. Like it's like you see in a movie in a tech lab or something, right? Something little monitoring device, small, like 8-inch, 7-inch diagonal screen, maybe powered by a Raspberry Pi behind it little touch screen and then a small interactive something and, and make a, a quick framework to make pop-up apps in that. So I just want to monitor this one thing. Or I want to show that thing and then make a little framework for it. And I could totally see taking a netbook and then instead of it folding forward, have it fold backwards. And then that would be the, the display. Now it would have to have a touch screen in there, but it would be pretty much the ideal size for this idea that I've had. Again, I don't have any use for it right now. I'm not really monitoring anything like that. But it would be cool. So, yeah. So we wound down on that one? Because I actually have yeah. legitimate technology thing now. Oh, well, yeah, go for it. Things I wish had failed. SMBFS, server message block, also known as NetBIOS or CIFS, common... SIFS? SIFS. You don't like SIFS? No, I despise it. I wish it would just disappear. It wasn't until two years ago that you could actually cl- close off SMB version 1.0, because it was still, as late as 2020, being used for network neighborhood discovery devices or, or the equivalent. There just still wasn't in the protocol. It had never evolved past that. And it was the most insecure, buggy, crappy anything. Now, I recognize that it was, as crappy as it was, it was a thing that the other operating systems did not have or did not do well. You had a reasonable level of certainty that you could explore network neighborhood and find another computer on your LAN if you had it set up in a reasonable fashion. But that pile of crap has been so insecure, it's been a big source of uh, vulnerabilities and such in the Windows kernel for a long time, or or, or Windows subsystems for a long time, and they have literally been trying to shut off SMV version 1 for like 8 or 9 years, and they finally were able to pull it off in 2020. Well, that's just that, that's just version 1. Version 1.2 and version 2, and there's a version 3, I think, also. All of them are... You can't really slap security into them because they were never designed to have security, and it just doesn't work. So I really wish that that would go ahead and die, and we have other ways to do that. Like, I'm not wanting yet another protocol, but at the same time, these need to go. That whole family of stuff just needs to go I would like for it to have failed already. What about NFS? I think that also needs to go. It's, there's a certain charm in its simplicity, but it's practically no security at all. NFS is older than SMB, isn't it? Um, I believe so. Because NFS, if I'm remembering, comes, came out of Sun. Yeah, like 1992 or something? 1990 maybe? And SMB was shown up in 95, 96 with Windows 95. Right around in there, 94, 95. So I think NFS predates SMB. Both of them were built in an era we didn't really consider security at all. Oh, so today? Yes. I suppose that's also <laughs> factual, right? Can't really, 
can't really contest that at all. But uh, yeah, I suppose so. So okay. So what would you suggest in its place? If if you had the magic power to make SMB and NFS go away, what would you tell people to use? Hmm. Well, <sighs> SSHFS without with with compression, right, or, or with a light algorithm for its encryption could be a good substitute for NFS. It still works, uh, has user login. And so you're not just stuck validating by IP, which is one of the major problems of NFS. You have to assume that the person who's contacting you is actually allowed because they're coming from the right IP. And there's absolutely pretty much no other qualifications past that. So that would be an improvement, but not adequate because I know that SSHFS is not always speedy. Um, I don't know that there's really a good replacement for the find nearby LAN devices and be able to access their drives. I just don't... Mm, I don't know what's out there today that would be an adequate replacement for that. I also question if people are even using that much anymore. Uh, I think they're more likely to upload something to a, a shared cloud, like a Dropbox or something, and then bring it back down on the other computer, perhaps. Um, I, I, honestly, I don't have a good replacement for them, but I just think that both of them should be replaced. Someone should put forth the effort to do so. Yeah, I mean, that's going to require writing something new, I would think. I know there are primitives because out there that we can borrow from, or someone who's already done this. If if you say AFP, I'm going oh, to Oh, I was you. not going to go that direction at all. No. Okay, good. No. Okay, good. Absolutely not. No. Okay, so then what do you have left? Some weird uh, Novell netware file sharing? Okay, no, you're going the wrong direction. You're going too old. I'm looking for something modern. Right. Right. What is there that exists that's new and modern that does that? I don't know. Something. Uh, so one of the advantages is like FSMB and FS both. This is kind of system to system. So maybe you could use something that uh, is reliant upon a Kerberos protocol for the system, uh, the service principle to authenticate against something else. You can else? do Kerberos with NFS. Okay. All right. That's actually I didn't know that. Hmm. I still. I guess I want everything without having to put any effort into it. And so I'm just like, oh, this that is, old chestnut. This... <laughs> yeah. At least I'm honest about it, right? And consistent. And consistent. And consistent. That's right. Yeah. I'll give you that. <laughs> well, right. You know, I, you get the authentic me, and the authentic me expects everything and will give nothing. So I don't have a good replacement for it, but I, I kind of wish it had blown up so badly that we were forced to evolve something better. But we've been able to limp along with these things, and I think it's to our detriment, frankly. Okay, so today, or tonight, on the show, Jeff is announcing JFP. No, I'm not. No. The Jeff file protocol. No, I am absolutely not doing that. It will be perfect. It will handle all your security <laughs> needs and user permissions and everything. No. It will be fantastic. It's, it will be the greatest shared file system ever. It is made from it's unicorn it, it's, parts. It's, it's, it's it's magnificent. Checks payable to Jeff Propes. Oh, I thought you were gonna put your own name there. At, no, <laughs> no. This is all you, buddy. All you. Well, if I did it, it'd be an open source tool. So that's fine. People can still so, pay for it, I'm, right? I'm confident that we can cobble together some of the primitives that are already out there, and and maybe start with NFS and then grapple in security in an adequate fashion, right? I was lamenting earlier that I didn't think you could really add security to it, but perhaps you could. You just revealed to me that Kerberos is. There's integration there that I'd never really done. NFS version 4, that protocol, really, 
uh, took it several leaps forward and, and added some more security mechanisms. And you could actually wrap it in TLS, but it, uh, theoretically you can do it. In actuality, if you try to do it, it never ends well. Speaking for someone who's tried it. It just doesn't, uh, didn't go very well, right? And then the whole different ball of wax, if you run NFS in UDP mode, then your IP protections are pretty much nullified because there's just spoof and IP, right? What's to prevent that? So I don't have a good answer for what Jeff, Jeff Probe's file system or Jeff file system should be. I just feel like there should be something. I'm looking forward to it, man. Right. I'm lo- I'm looking forward to it. I, we will review it live. Okay. We will review the zero, the nothing, not even like a confluence page or a document or anything, not even a position statement on this should be a thing. We will review the nothing at some f- future point. You're you're missing you're missing the the beauty here, Jeff. Oh, I am. I, and I don't. Oh yeah, hell yeah, you are. So here's what you got to get to the domain. You got to get a flashy logo. You got to create your um your 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 swag store where you can sell shirts and t-shirts and and mouse pads and stickers oh gosh um and then you need to get a like a tiktok channel for it gag and put out some just put out some tiktoks just stop the money will come rolling in no and then then you can pay someone to actually do the thing (laughs) every modern startup ever Exactly. Cash cow, man. I hate Everybody that. wants a good file thing. Mm-hmm. You could do it yeah. and make a lot of money doing it. No, no. Pass. I'll let someone else go the distance to make all that stuff and then hire someone else to figure it out. Right? That's just... Well, then it's it's not going to get done, man. Okay. If you're not fine. part of the solution, you're part of the problem, Jeff. I'm part of the precipitate. Precipitate. You ever heard that before? Do we need to look that word up too? No. No, actually we don't. It's a chemistry term. If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the precipitate. That just sounded funny in my head when I said it. So I had to repeat it to make sure, oh, that's actually the way you pronounce it. Right. So having made fun of me for about 70% of this episode successfully. I have not talked for 70% of this episode. I've no. talked for maybe 30%. So then fine. I've been Everyone who myself. listens to this show knows that Jeff is a master orator and elocutes <laughs> at length. Oh, right. Okay. Excellent. We are running long on this episode, so if you have other things you would like to share, let's I do. do. Let's do lightning one round. More, one more thing. This is not a lightning round. Okay. This is the last thing. Okay. Well, I've um, got one thing to go to also. So you know what this is? No. Uh, well, hang on a second. Let me look. I'm not looking at uh, you. Okay. Well, Ooh, I'm going to tell everybody because I don't want to listen. Disc. Mini discs. Ah, that's a good one. I, I still love have these some things. Mini discs from back I in have... the nineties. I think I don't think I have a hundred. I think I'm just under a hundred. Mm. I wonder if they bit rotted by now. Well, probably not, because these were magneto optical. Oh, so these suckers were reliable. Good. Um, I absolutely loved these things to death. I got my first mini disc player probably. I think it was a graduation gift. So that'd have been '97. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was all in, man. Screw CDs. Don't want them. This is this is the way to go. Yeah, there was the problem of you could only stick so much on there. Mm-hmm. They later did fix that so you could record it at a different bit rate to get more on. Now, yeah, right. the music did kind of suffer a little. Two or whatever, yeah. yeah. The, the benefit was, like, for instance, I had it, I used them in my car all the time. Mm-hmm. So when I'm driving with my windows down, the noise from the wind would cover up the fact that <laughs> song that I recorded on it was not CD quality. <laughs> it was like, you know... 96 bit or whatever because the wind made up for it right. so it didn't matter 
So that's part of the selling point. Right. So, well, that was one of the features. I didn't right. have to. I had ones that were like just, you know, full CD quality, but then I had others that would like five CDs on them mm -hmm. on one disc. And like, you could throw these things around and not worry about breaking yes, them. Yes, that was You never had thing. to worry about mm -hmm. scratching them. They look freaking cool. They do. It's like half floppy, half CD. That's a win on both fronts. Um, they were in the movie Matrix. That's right. They were. I completely forgot. About you that. actually could. Some of them you could use as data disks. I was just going to say, there were some data versions of them. And like when people would see these, it, they would be like, dude, what's that? Mm -hmm. What is that? That mm -hmm. is so cool. They didn't know what it was. I have a bunch of old bands and jam recordings from the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s on there. Because a couple bands I was playing with in high school, we were like, hey, we should record ourselves. And like, I got this mini disc player for no reason, but it's really good for this. So we got a really cheap monitor and a couple of cheap microphones, like literally $5 microphones and the cheapest mm -hmm. microphone cable and the microphone stand you could get from Guitar Center at the time. And we recorded ourselves. One of the microphones, no, we had one stand. So we put one of the microphones in a shoe and kind of shoved it up next to where the two amps were. And the other nice. one was kind of hanging off, no, it was hanging off the ceiling fan over the drum kit. And that was how we recorded ourselves. I, I, st I should go back and find those. But I still have those mini you discs. Should. Mm -hmm. You should definitely. Yeah. That, I, I'm going to do that. It's somewhere in the I want to listen. Right now. I want to listen to that now. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll try and dig it out then. Yeah. That's a good one. I like that one. I wish I, I miss. Survived. I miss mini discs. I still use these things. Yeah. Like there's times I'll play music in my office off of the mini discs that I have. I have them in MP3s on my computer. But screw that. I want to use my mini discs. Yeah. You, you drive great joy from using these things that you've loved for a long time. And why? Why shouldn't you? Right. I think that's perfectly valid. Right. Okay. The only that's problem is. I uh I only have a portable player now. The desktop deck that I had died, and I haven't been able to find another decent one. I know people sell them on Facebook Marketplace, but I don't have a Facebook account, nor will I. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of blocked from getting one through there. You need what, you need another player, another deck. Yeah, another like uh you know oh, full size. Oh, okay, I had a portable one that I hope still works. I got to find a power supply that'll work for it because it got chewed to bits. I let people borrow it in college. They were using it to record like random crap and they were not taking care of it but i'm sure i could find another power supply for it it wouldn't be that hard so yeah that's a good one that's a really good one so i have a closing one and it's actually not things i wish had failed it's something i'm glad failed it's actually two things windows ce and microsoft phones i am so glad that they both failed I've always laughed at Windows, shortened to WinCE or Wince. Who was the brilliant person who thought that was a good idea? But that portable version of Windows, they could never figure out how to make Windows svelte enough to go on an underpowered portable experience. They just couldn't do it effectively, frankly. Okay, so I kind of have to stop you here. Okay. And ask... What generation of CE are you talking about? Good question. I don't know. Just in general, the whole concept of it. Is it still around? Is it still with us? No. Okay. I don't, I don't think so. But like there was Windows CE that came like on the compact like PDAs. Mm -hmm. And then there was Windows CE that came on like... Well, they weren't even sub notebooks at the time, but they were smaller than that. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to figure out which one of those you're talking about, because those two things are very, very different. So are those two different products have the same thing? I did not know that. So there's the very old Windows CE, which basically was like a Windows 95 type 
desktop interface mm -hmm. that you could run programs on, you could install stuff to. Um, and then there was whatever the hell Microsoft did for the, the iPacks, which came out of the depths of hell that I, I don't what, know. What year was that, roughly? Okay, so the... Uh, let me check. Um, the iPacks would have been... I'm going to need to look that up. Because I'm kind of thinking it's more the iPack era. Okay. Yeah, Windows, the original Windows CE was 1996. Mm -hmm. And it, it stopped being supported in 2000, I believe. Okay. It might have been 97. But anyway. Um, Pocket PC 2000. Hmm. So maybe what... Hmm. Windows the Early Mobile. 2000s. So 2002, 2003... Okay, so I, I see now. Uh, Windows CE, uh, I found a Windows Mobile is the page, the Wikipedia page that I found. Windows CE is one version. Pocket PC 2000 is another version, and that's what was on the IPAX. And there was a Pocket PC 2002, and then Windows Mobile 2003, which is when they were starting to try to do their own phones. Although I heard uh, Windows Mobile 2003 also sometimes referred to Wince 2.0 or something, which probably is not accurate. Oh, Wince... Wins 4.0, that's what it is. 4.x kernel. That's what it is. It just always felt like it was... <laughs> We're going to take this big, ugly, slow, crappy software and try and make it work in a mobile environment and such that it won't crash and it'll actually survive with less power and it won't use all of your battery in two minutes. And it never was really successful to me. I never owned a, uh, a Windows-based phone. I had several friends that did, and I made absolute total fun of them mercilessly everything I, every time I possibly could because um, it was one of them was like well this is the successor to the palm I'm like no no that is not at all the successor to the palm it looks like it maybe kind of if you're sweat but it is not at all related to what was palm because I was a big palm geek back then too not as much as you but I was yeah I was almost a fanboy of palm back then I really liked it I had a palm 5 I loved the hell out of it um, I had a palm 3 and 3 E or whatever, a couple other ones. And like I was, I was pretty adept at the, what are the name of that signing languages? Graffiti. Graffiti, yeah, I was pretty good at graffiti too. Uh, I was pretty impressed with how fast you could move. And it was this person I'm thinking of in particular was trying to show me how you could use something that was akin to graffiti. I'm like, that's not graffiti. No. And they didn't have a dedicated space on the bottom of the phone for it like the, the Palms did. And I was like, this is not at all like what you're talking about. And so it really helped cement this opinion of like, this is crap. I want it to die. And then Windows gave it several shots, or Microsoft gave several shots at phones and Microsoft-based phones and uh, phones built upon some kind of Windows version that was to go mobile. And they, they put a lot of effort into this over like a span of 10 or 12 yeah. years. Pocket PC and Windows Mobile, they mm -hmm. really tried to make something out mm -hmm. of it. And they, it just flopped because it was they, horrible. Yep, it was horrible. It never got better. It could never catch up. It was it was like they were always trying to reuse the effort they'd already done on uh, other Windows that were made for desktop. And they could never figure out how to make it go mobile. And finally, after about eight or nine years of trying, they gave up. And they sold out of the phone business entirely. And I celebrated that because like, these devices were just crap. Almost universally, just crap. But there was some good connectedness to the other Windows system things, which they can do because they're Microsoft. But uh, I wasn't using much in the way of Windows systems back then, so yeah, I didn't care. 
So that's Wint, and then the Windows phones, again, I've already described, because they were just not well-designed. Uh, it was actually kind of fun to watch them flounder and fail, because uh, they, they also had a problem. Uh, they decided they had to capture both the phone market and the gaming market. They were going to be huge uh, segments, consumer segments, and they wanted to be involved in both. And they were able to buy their way into the gaming segment and are one of the big players now have been one of the big players since, like, Xbox 360. But they could never buy their way into the phone business. I, I just kind of quietly enjoyed that they failed at that. You know? There we go. There's a lot of other things I could put on this list, but since we're already, like, way long on time here, I think we should probably wrap it up here. And I'm willing to bet our listeners have quite a lot to say about some of these things we've discussed and many things of their own that they would happy, be happy to share with us. Things that you are either wish had not failed or are happy that they did. And if, if it's a wish that they hadn't failed, tell JT. If it's happy they did, tell me. And we'll continue this little back and forth. And, and just I'm sure we'll have other episodes where we might talk about more things like this. This seems like a topic we can revisit periodically. Because there's just so many things we could discuss there. Mm -hmm. For those of us that are wanting to reach out to us, our Telegram and Matrix channels are very, very active. And you can also send us tweets, twits, whatever the term is that I still don't know how, even though I've had a Twitter account for a while. JT's Twitter account is at Q5Sys, and mine is at YepThat'sMud. And if you're a little more old school than that, you can send an email to JT at MindDripMedia.com. Or you can submit a message to us through the Fireside interface. Any closing thoughts from you, JT? No. Not really. Okay. I guess we'll end on a big fat nothing. Works for me. See you later, everybody. Bye.